Spags, we're wearing the same hat, and I'm so torn because I love my underdog dad hat, but I hate wearing the same hat as you. Oh, we're just so excited to draft Best Ball Mania 3 for $10 million in prizes over at Underdog. We're going to do that live on the show. We're also going to talk about a second-year wide receiver who is in the best shape of his life. You never hear about that in this point of the offseason. So, Pete, hit that intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend and mine, Pete Overzet. Pete, how are you doing? Sun's out, guns out. Yeah, I know. I, I've been doing, I did my stream this morning standing up. Uh, normally, I feel like I've been sitting down, uh, but then my back started to hurt a little more, and I was like, I do have this standing desk. Maybe I should actually start using it. Uh, so, yes, that's uh, that's the deal. Sun's out. Guns are definitely out as well. I do feel like, you know, look, and I, this is a show we try to support each other, as you know, from uh, the friendly vibes that Pete and I bring each time out. Uh, I do feel like you were looking pretty swole. I put on best ball breakfast this morning. I mentioned to Pete, did watch that whole show, as I usually try to do to see this is where Pete's landing in his morning draft so we could do something different <laughs> here. And I was like, boy, Pete's arms are looking great. I just, <laughs> just wanted Thank to say you. that in a public venue. Thank you. You know, we're uh, we're tightening things up here with, with summer approaching. And uh, I just got a comment on my best ball stream from earlier. And uh, this is kind of germane to our draft uh, the other day, too. And he goes, uh, you and Corrine were one of the main reasons I drafted zero RB for the first time last year. And it was successful for me seeing you continuously draft two to three running backs early each draft. I watched this year is making me very sad. You no longer piss yellow. I mean, am I destroying my zero RB brand these days? It is crazy to me, and we'll see how it goes on today's Best Ball Mania draft. We're uh, on Friday's stream. Pete is now titling these to indicate that we are, in fact, taking running backs up early. Uh, Saquon Barkley, the oft-injured, much maligned, wasn't even, there's a chance he wasn't even going to be on the team this year, Pete. You had me drafting him, so I do feel like when you convert one of us, you convert me, you convert some people watching the stream to zero RB bros, it does feel a bit like a betrayal to not have you go that way when you're actually doing the public-facing content. Here's the thing. I mean, to just be as straightforward and honest as possible, I think the running backs, there's a there's a certain wide receiver cliff at the 2-3 turn. Um, basically, once T. Higgins and A.J. Brown are off the board, and I think the running backs that are still in that range are better. Like in my draft this morning, I was able to get Kamara, who obviously has insane upside. Aaron Jones is there. Saquon's there. I believe that those running backs in the, the legendary season outcomes have just a higher ceiling than the kind of Keenan Allen um, in that next tier down. So that's where I've been more willing. Obviously, I think everyone's on board with taking CMC or JT in the top five, but I found myself in that spot at the two, three turn a decent bit. And then on top of that, I love Brees Hall. So there's been a lot of spots in rounds one through five in previous years where I haven't been as comfortable with the running backs. And I'll be really curious to see if that ends up changing throughout the course of the summer, or if just kind of the, you know, the blue wave of wide receivers continues to roll on making some of those running backs, the better picks IMO. But trust me, I, I feel like I'm running bad right now on getting to do zero RB on stream. I'm still probably about 50% zero RB overall structurally in my BBM three drafts, but have not had a good run out for it on stream because people hop in my drafts and take a bunch of wide receivers and then push down the running backs to me. So what do you guys want me to do? 
Yeah, you're trying to get your streamer EV now going against the grain out of the gospel that you've extolled for the last few years. So uh, we'll see what happens today. Make sure you are hitting the like button. Of course, subscribe to Pete's channel as well as the Splash Play channel because Pete's got his extra best ball streams, of course, going on. I'm going to start doing some more in June on the Splash Play channel. So make sure you are hitting the both of them. And of course, follow at Splash Play Pod as well as at Peter Overset and at Chris Spags. We appreciate it a bunch. And if you enjoy this video, make sure you hit the like button as well. Helps set a bunch, fight off uh, some of the YouTube algorithms out there. But Pete, let's talk about the one big news item, which I I thought you clickbaited spectacularly in the Fantasy Life newsletter. Second-year wide receiver breaking out. Um, I, do we want to give the chat a chance to guess? I feel like at this point, they must be reading the Fantasy Life newsletter, so for them, it wouldn't be clickbait on the show. Yeah, if you saw if you saw it or already read the newsletter and clicked, don't spoil it, but uh, which wide receiver, um, and we'll even narrow it down, we'll say sophomore wide receiver is in the uh, in the best shape of their life. Can anyone guess? And yes, I don't know why. Like I, I posted uh, in the Splash Play channel, too. This was one of our most clicked links we've had in the Fantasy Life newsletter in a long time. So I think I need to get, you know, like the old school, like gossip rag thing where they would do the blind item of like, you you won't believe who's dating who or whatever. I think I just need to do that for fantasy because God, people were clicking the hell out of this link. And one thing too that I'll recall from the like Louis C.K. controversy, a bunch of the other stuff that came out, some of those blind items were spot on for years and years. So I feel like if anything, this might make the guy bubble up. Uh, people in the chat guessing Bateman, uh, guessing Kadarius Tony. The correct answer is, of course, Amari Rogers. If we click through here on the Fantasy Life newsletter, and Pete, a guy that frankly is completely lost in the ADP shuffle right now for the Packers. Guys like Romeo Dubes going ahead or Dubs going ahead of him. Also, guys like Christian Watson going substantially ahead of him. Even uh, Sammy Watkins getting drafted ahead of him. But here we see the quote on the screen, Pete, from uh, the Packers wide, wide receivers coach saying, "The biggest thing we worked on. It talks him in the offseason. How do you get your confidence? Well, you work and you train harder than you ever did." Uh, Vrabel said via Zach Cruz of USAToday.com. So if you were to see him right now, he already looks faster and stronger than he ever did. He's in the best shape of his life. His mindset is, I'm going to be the number one guy at all three positions. He has that going for him. His route running is already cleaner and crisper. He's training an entire offseason. Pete, should he be getting drafted? Uh, he probably should be getting drafted. I mean, I think I find Christian Watson and Alan Lazard's price tag very pricey. Um, and I think this is definitely a wide open wide receiver room. And I would, I think just cost adjusted. I'd rather be adding Tunyon. You mentioned Romeo dubs, who I think is probably a better arbitrage price on Christian Watson. And then, yeah, I mean, Amari Rogers, I know we were so quick to discard these wide receivers when they don't immediately produce Terrace Marshall's another good example, a guy that I think you should be sprinkling in at the end of the drafts as well. So yeah, if you're backdooring in a an Aaron Rodgers stack, I, I'm not entirely opposed to Amari Rodgers. Not not necessarily because of this blurb specifically, but just conceptually knowing what they're costing. And I, I guess what you still have Cobb there too. Like it is messy, but if you can get access to Rodgers pass catchers at a really cheap price, it doesn't seem bad to me. And we do talk a lot about if you are drafting in a best ball mania or any other best ball drafts out there right now, the one value you have going for you uh, with not, without knowing all the things that will happen in training camp, the injuries that will come up, the depth chart, news items that will be reported, is guys who can bubble up like this. And year two receivers, we know, often make one of the biggest jumps. Year two, year three, uh, very big for them. Amari Rodgers in that system. And also just you know not being drafted at all. Like, Would it shock you, Pete, if there are training camp reports that maybe he is working all over the field and he's on the field for all these you know snaps of doing in practice? Like He would jump up probably 100 spots maybe 150 at this point with where he is and i feel like at this point if you get him in the 18th round at least is a value that has some upside which is probably not what you could say for every other round 18 guy out there 
Yeah, and the chat also reminding us uh, about Sammy Watkins, who I, I didn't even mention in there. I think the, the the ultimate takeaway there is this is pretty wide open, right? Like, I feel like if you were trying to draw up, you know, uh, a target share leader for this team that you could make pretty convincing cases for two to three different guys and then how you would shuffle all four of the five of the pass catchers. I think you can make arguments for lots of different configurations. So, yeah, I think just being... I don't have strong, strong takes uh, outside of just saying be price sensitive uh, to these guys, because I think you're paying, you're paying a pretty steep price on Watson and Lazard for what I don't think is a lot of certainty with their projected market shares. And you could have a draft like we saw on Friday where I was ribbing one of the guys for taking uh, three running backs at the 101 spot in a row. He ended up then getting an Aaron Rodgers stack late that looked pretty good. Had a different approach overall. Like you're getting Aaron Rodgers pretty late in these drafts. So why not take the lower ADP guys and get an even cheaper stack of the Packers who we know have a pretty high team total for week one against the Minnesota Vikings. Week 17, they have the same matchup. Uh, so overall, like I think it's worth taking some stabs here and there. Certainly not going to buy all the training camp hype. But I feel like, Pete, we have to go back to this bit now. The best shape everything. People do this on Twitter all the time time but as a show segment this we can just rake this in doing this week after week yeah the best shape of their life and the, the thing that makes this so funny too it's like these guys are professional athletes playing at the height of you know this sport going against a bunch of other people who are doing the same thing and you there's basically you have to claw out every edge and i feel like it's just a given that as a professional athlete in the nfl you're in the best shape of your life but apparently it isn't in a way that this continues to be a, a clickbait worthy uh headline because i guess we just assume these guys are all like slobs otherwise i i don't know i don't get it that's true they're just sitting on the couch you know, crunching some cheetos away having a good time hitting the bong i think that's, that's what they're normally doing otherwise so it's great to see they're actually investing in their bodies and make some millions of dollars and i'm taking this question for the consigliere here because it is a good question but also he did uh, tout me as the original zero rb tout which i think is an important thing uh, for me to start taking credit for now that all these other guys are just drafting running backs left and right but the consigliere asking is sophomore arbitrage as pivot off rookies uh, significant value. I think it's an interesting case. You know, last year we did see Denzel Mims, Pete, a guy not get that second year bump, even though it did seem on these streams. I think I even talked about trying to buy that dip. You saw him instead get further down the depth chart, not even playing some games. Guys like Jeff Smith have run ahead of him. So I think it can go by both ways, but just investing in young players overall, I feel like fits the a lot of what we talk about on this show. And I know what you've hyped. So I think there is some value there. Just people not having a good taste in their mouth is always going to be something that does undercut that ADP. Yeah, I, I would almost say that, I mean, outside of sophomore wide receivers who bombed in year one and rookie wide receivers who were taken like after round three or whatever, like there's basically no discount in the market. I mean, we can re, uh, rewind to last year where Brandon Ayuk and T Higgins had both kind of flashed as rookies. And as drafters, we were extrapolating that out very aggressively to the point where, you know, Ayuk was going in the late fourth at times and T Higgins had screamed into the late third. Obviously, one of those guys paid off. The other didn't. But I, I think it does go to show. And there was actually an article uh, Sean recently wrote on uh, Rotoviz where he was summarizing a previous article, I believe, by my, Michael Hitchcock saying that we overpay for volatility. Uh, sometimes with those guys and just chasing that upside. So I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it feels like the market is already hip to second year wide receivers and rookie wide receivers. And it's just saying, are there ones that are being overlooked? Like this morning, I was talking about some of those other rookies who have decent capital, like, um, Mechie and, um, Velas Jones that just aren't as trendy 
as the sky moors, but they ultimately have similar draft capital. They don't obviously have the situation, but I think that's where you can find the arbitrage stuff is like, where is the underlying stuff similar? And yet the market has become overconfident because of one reason or another. Yeah, and we know fading the public is always going to be something that does end up working out at some uh, doses here and there. Obviously, you're generally going to trust the market data. The wisdom of the crowds is a real thing, which is why we draft according to ADP and why market lines and betting move the way they do. But um, yeah, I'm with you. I think taking some second year guys that just at low ADPs where they're basically going for free in the hopes that somebody fails or or there is an, you know, a pretty decent chance of an injury ahead of these guys in the depth chart. It's a lot of ways it could work out. So I think it's more you know drafting still according to where the market is, but maybe having a little more of those shares as you go. Uh, do you see, Pete, that the Cardinals are going to be the hard knocks team, by the way. And I do think it's one of those spots where like, it could be interesting. You have, you know, the Marquise Brown uh, reunion with Kyler Murray. You have Kyler Murray with his contract issues. You have DeAndre Hopkins with the PD things. The issue is like hard knocks, soft balls. It's so much soft shoes. It's so much that they won't get any of that. But I feel like if they were going to really like show, you know, try to get some heat back on hard knocks after like the ratings have kind of come down the last few years, the Cardinals are actually a pretty fertile team to do it with. Yeah, I agree. I was just thinking if I could, like if you could know um, how certain situations were to shake out for a one team, which team would you be? Which team would you pick? And I think the Cardinals would be up there for me. Um, just seeing how the early season target shares shake out without Hopkins, wondering does Rondell take a leap? Is Marquise Brown potentially turn into a target hog? Does Zach Ertz still have it in him? I'm also very, very curious to see the two running backs behind James Conner. So yeah, this hard knock should be pretty fun, at least for gathering you know information early on about this team. It's worth pointing out too. I, did, I think I misspoke. It is the in-season version of Hard Knocks. I think the Lions are the oh. preseason version. Oh, okay, yeah. I was gonna say. I thought I remember the Lions. Yeah, the, the yeah. Colts were the one last year, and I feel like I heard nobody talk about that one at all. No, I I didn't read because. And then there was also there's the Amazon one as well, right? Because yeah. the Cardinals were the Amazon version a couple years ago, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. it's tough. Like it feels like an in-season show should be more interesting, but because of the coach's fear of doing strategies, revealing too much, like those end up being a little bit less compelling than they could be. But it feels like if you put this, I mean, HBO is as close to network TV as you can get while still being a premium service, but you put it somewhere mainstream, like maybe people watch them a little bit more. There's something here that they probably could squeeze some TV rights value out of if they wanted to. And Pete, one news item that came out today, which I'm just going to read and I don't, it doesn't mean anything, but uh, Albert Breer reporting from the MMQB that Deshaun Watson, his suspension will be officially decided before the season starts. So that is about as ambiguous could be and, and non-reporting reporting as it could be. Uh, but it does seem like Pete, he's not safe from suspension, which we know. And uh, people talk about drafting a lot of Deshaun Watson and best ball in the spike week discord, apparently according to the YouTube chat. Um, I still don't have any reservations about drafting him, but it does feel like he's got to get something at this point, right? Yeah, I don't know. I was actually talking with Chris G over DM this morning, and I, I said something to him along the lines of, at this point with the NFL, um, I'm basically taking the under on whatever the projected suspension is because they just have such a lax policy with all of this stuff, and it often drags out. This was kind of hot on the heels of people asking me, aren't you worrying about Camara uh, being suspended? But again, like if you're telling me there's a 50 50- I mean, let's, like as a thought experiment, let's say Deshaun Watson had no suspension specter hanging over him. Like, where would he go? He'd probably be going right around Jalen Hurts, right? Like in the sixth, seventh round. And so now you're able to get him in the ninth and 10th round. So even if there's a 50% shot at him, you know, playing a full season, 
I mean, that that's already baked in to his ADP. So I, I think it's a, a worthwhile gamble, especially when we're drafting these teams to get first place. Like you don't need to feel specifically cozy. Like if he doesn't play the whole season, well, you you were going to lose your $25 anyway. So that kind of mentality of drafting like you're right and the, the upside on, on him is obviously uh, enormous. Yeah, not a bad matchup either going against Washington week 17. And uh, certainly, I guess, Pete, here's a question for you overall before we get into this best ball mania drafts. So if you want to get your drafting fingers ready over at Underdog, uh, please do that. Use the promo code SPLASH. Double your deposit up to $100 over on Underdog as well. Um, if you're drafting Deshaun Watson, is he only going in three QB builds for you now? Or are you feeling like the suspension is potentially going to be light enough that you're willing to go to him in a two QB build? Yeah, I guess it would depend. Uh, if he was my second quarterback, for sure, just a two QB build. If he was my first quarterback and I didn't take my second quarterback and say till like round 13 or 14, I'm probably headed towards a three QB build. I guess I'm trying to figure out what the fringe case would be. Probably like Deshaun Watson with Justin Fields, you know, something like that. Am I, am I pushing? I feel like that could go either way. Um, but yeah, if I grab Deshaun Watson with Tom Brady, you know, with Joe Burrow, anything like that, I'm completely comfortable with just two, but um yeah, so more it's it almost is, has less to do with Deshaun and just more about where I'm grabbing my second quarterback. Yeah, no, I think that's a pretty reasonable way to look at it. I have some two QB Deshaun Watson builds, but I think it's ones where he is the QB two, and I don't feel too bad about that one. As Pete pulls up the underdog lobby here, of course, on my account because I'm not an adult who can produce on my own. I've not I've been barred legally from that until I have to do my solo stream. So Pete will be running it on my account again, as we can see uh, down <laughs> down to a paltry twelve dollars on underdog Pete. Because as you can tell, uh, people are requesting my exposures. I saw Tommy was asking for them earlier in the stream. We're not doing those every show, but my exposures are a fluctuating market, Pete. <laughs> what are what are you up to? How many drafts did you do over the weekend? Just a couple. I did a couple on DK, a couple on underdog. Mostly took the weekend offline because we we got a smoker, Pete. I don't know if you I feel like you're not a smoker guy, like from what I know. You're like beer brewing, smoking. I feel like not two of your passions, but uh two that I, I'm curious to dabble in it. Smoking was the first one off the list. Wow, I can't believe you're typecasting me, you know, stereotyping me as a non-smoker, bro. Um, you're right. I'm not a, you know, I like to grill, but I'm not mm -hmm. one of those guys that, you know, like gets off you know, marinating meats for nine hours or something. No, the nine hours part is not it. And honestly, even the steak we made yesterday, you have to get like a pretty thick steak to do a reverse sear. And you have to do that still for like an hour and a half. And it's like, it's a long time for a snake. Uh, <laughs> people, not a smoker guy is a huge diss, is it? I just feel like Pete doesn't have the patience. Like Pete's got too many things going on. I think uh, my guess would be because I think smoking meats seems like a quintessentially, you know, alpha male thing. Mm -hmm. And so then saying that I'm not a smoker guy, you just, oh, you're a little beta boy, you know, hire someone else to make your kebabs for you. I don't know. Yeah, people, uh, I mean, I don't think I'm a smoker guy for whatever it's worth. Like, I'm not good at it yet. I certainly would like to be, but made some wings, made some steak yesterday on it and came out pretty well. And I'm excited to iterate further, though. It started to downpour as I was going to sear the, the steak. So that was not my favorite part. Uh, and that's the thing with smoking, Pete, because it is a three hour window of cooking things. You never just know how the weather is going to turn out during that, that entire time period. I think this is my thing with the smoker bros is like smoker bros think they're being so productive, like because they smoke their meat. Like it's some, it's you didn't like repaint your kitchen or something. It's like you put some meats on and then walk back inside, watch Netflix and came back three hours later. Stop acting like it's so impressive. Smoker bros. 
I think that's a reasonable take. Do you see the people who shit on Mike Florio recently because he's been posting some shitty steaks, like a uh, one where it clear, was clear he didn't let the meat rest or whatever. He got a like I think a really expensive wagyu is what he was trying to flex on everybody with. But you could tell just like looking at the cut that it wasn't like cooked the way it's supposed to. And I feel like that's the the gatekeeping Twitter that I just don't want any part in. Like I don't want people shitting on my steak if I'm happy with it. That's all that matters. No, I completely agree with that. One time I I think every once in a while I'll be tempted to like take a picture of my food. Hang on, we should pick here yeah. um who do you want to do you, you want to get a zero rb for the people digs did we do digs yeah. last time uh i could do a digs we did um adams last time okay yeah we can do digs um i yeah occasionally i'll be tempted to post a photo of my mealer and it's like it's just not worth a million people being like you slightly overcooked your meat or i couldn't help but notice your grill wasn't as clean as i like to have mine or like it's just like i do not need to deal with your shit like no one ever like unless you have an instagram quality like you're an ad agency going to shoot the olive garden commercial and the breadsticks are flowing out of the bowl and it's just gorgeously aesthetically pleasing like don't bother fucking posting your food on the internet I like that your your example there was, oh, the delicious food you got at the Olive Garden that's presented so wonderfully. <laughs> no, I just mean how they do commercials, even like a, a Burger King or whatever, where it's basically not even real food yeah. that they're using just to make it look so good. It's just the, the people on the internet will attack you for your food. I, yeah, like I agree. I mean, I honestly feel that even, even about Luca where like I'll post them sometimes and I'm like, you got to kind of juggle like how much is too much. Like I probably need, if it were too much, like I should just try to give him his own handle. I don't know what the fuck to do, but like, he's cute. Like, and there's a lot of babies, no offense to the new dads out there, new moms that they're watching as well. A lot of ugly babies out there, Pete. And I'm going to go on the record and say that because as somebody who's got a cute baby, like I, like, you know, you have the endorphin thing that's telling you your baby's cute, but I know Luca's cute. He's a fucking midget. He's like 18th percentile. He's an M word, 18th percentile and height and weight right now but he's like you know he's adorable and i like i want to post them more but i just don't want, like i see all these ugly babies and i don't want to be that guy uh my wife and i have a term for them did you ever watch uh friday night lights yeah and you know the 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 baby in that gracie bell and would just just an unfortunate looking daughter so we we always call those babies gracie bells oh that's that's a bummer they have a gracie bell um all right what do you want to do here debo or andrews would be my choice I haven't, uh, I haven't gotten Andrews in a while. That seems, seems fine. You want to do Andrews? Yeah. You probably could justify taking Higgins here just to kind of flip the ADPs a little and get the, get the correlation going for week 17. But I don't think, I don't feel the most confident doing that. Yeah. Uh, and he, he sometimes falls probably not in this room, actually not where we're at, but, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel the need to force it there. Yeah, I don't get a lot of Mark Andrews either. I feel like he's the le the the least exposed to me out of all the uh, the big name tight ends. And uh, Dricko is actually DMing me some of the info that he and Dubner have been working on over at Rotoviz, and was telling me that uh, the elite tight end really he has drilled that point home as much as anybody out there. And I'm I am married to elite tight ends. Even taking Hawks in the seventh, Pete, I feel like uh, decent win rate drops over the course of the last seven years of data. I believe is what he was saying. Yeah, and to me that conversation is almost even more less about the tight what you're getting from the tight end and more so not having to use three spots at a onesie position like i just i always hate when i have to use three roster spots on tight ends they're so low scoring in general um you know it's why we don't worry about you know having two tight ends with the same bye week it's like what are you realistically losing out on six seven points you know in most cases so yeah i mean the elite tight end giving you access to the big spike weeks like we see from guys like kittle and uh and waller 
while also just freeing you up to only draft two tight ends, I do really think it's something you should be prioritizing. And again, I mean, Waller and Kittle were going at the two, three turn last year, and now they're going, you know, what, 24 picks later Mm -hmm. um, in the mid to late fourth. I've gotten Kittle in the fifth. Um, and everyone can have their disagreements about, you know, which tight ends are elite, yada, yada. You can stretch it to Schultz and Hawkinson, like I think we're willing to do. But the point is, is just having guys who you think have the potential to do that and free you up from drafting a third tight end, I think is a big edge. I'm interested in chatting from Kevin McCarthy. And I know you made this point during the best ball breakfast this morning about Buffalo. Cincinnati is going to be overstacked like Dallas, Arizona last year. You were talking about the bubble and, you know, where we're watching these streams in May. We're doing the drafts, obviously, as Pete and I are doing, as you guys are doing likely as well. Like you are in a bubble where people are not stacking enough in best ball. People aren't stacking enough in DFS week to week. So I don't think that's the case, Pete. But how do you feel about that one? Like relative to stacks, that'll be a popular stack, but it's still not going to be high enough to justify not taking it, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, it's just the best pieces are expensive. It's really hard to, it, especially on the Buffalo side, pull it off without spending a ton. Um, yeah, I, I, it's not, it's just something I think to be, like my big take on all this correlation stuff is correlation is super important, but we shouldn't be overconfident in trying to identify the games we want to correlate versus the ones we don't. And so I'm just more like, how the drafts fall to me, then I'm going to correlate around that. And I'm not going to go out of my way to be like, okay, I want to correlate the best game possible. One, it's my assumption of what the best game is possible. And I'm not even sure that Buffalo Cincy game (laughs) outdoors in Cincy in, in the winter is even going to be the best stacking game at all, even though it looks good on paper. So I just be careful about, you know, reaching big time just to get your premium game stacks when one, they're likely to be popular, two, they're expensive, and three, we just don't know if that game is actually for sure going to shoot out. Eric asking, what if everyone thinks that the Buffalo-Cincinnati game will be overstacked so they avoid it and thus make it understacked? <laughs> I mean, I think you shouldn't be reaching for ADPs for that, the stacks. And I know, Pete, you beat that drum a lot. But I feel like overall, like, it, it's still, you could get different in a million different spots to get there. And I feel like that's the main thing. Like, as long as you're drafting these guys at ADP, if you're reaching crazy and there isn't, it's not like a wide receiver pivot. Like, T. Higgins would have been a wide receiver pivot from one of those other guys who remained. Like, I just, I don't know. I just don't think it's that bad of a thing. And I think I'm getting more inclined to overstacking probably than anything. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Deontay. I was going to see if we could push it until our next pick, but, um, might as well just get that. Uh, we can get that in now. Yeah. I like the Buffalo or the Buffalo, the Baltimore Pittsburgh stacks for week 17, just cause it's ugly on paper, but those two teams could certainly have, I mean, Pittsburgh's defense really wasn't good last year. Uh, but there's a lot of ways Baltimore could get worse too, even though they did invest a good amount of draft capital on defense. Um, so just like under own week 17 stacks, I also don't mind if that's where you just land relative to ADPs. Yeah. And you can point to the examples last year. I mean, it was, it, it, I knew it was a leak in my game because I never, you know, obviously it was the Rashad Penny, Amon Ra, St. Brown who went off in week 17. No one was circling the Detroit Lions, Seattle Seahawks week 17 game, but the correlation principles still held strong. And so I think having, you know, that, that humility-based approach that we know correlation in the macro works, but we also know we're bad at identifying the shootout games um, is kind of the way I'm approaching it. And so one of the fun things I think about correlation too is like when you let the draft come to you, like we just did, we drafted Andrews at ADP. And then, you know, then we started thinking about correlation. Okay, maybe we're taking Deontay Johnson a few spots ahead of ADP. I don't think we're hemorrhaging value taking him five spots ahead 
And now we're drafting in a coherent way that makes sense with what we've already done. Yeah, that's the point you made this morning about being willing to kind of force the ADPs for stacks a little bit more later on makes sense because that's basically what you're doing on a you know on a fantasy cruncher when you give the guys a 10% projection boost if they're uh, stacked with the QB or vice versa. So like I think there's you know a lot of ways to justify it here, but I also just like Deontay Johnson. Like his ADP has been falling, and I don't really know the reason why it should be. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's probably just the uncertainty with with Kenny Pickett. Um, but it was weird because last year people were still more than happy to draft all three of those Steelers wide receivers at a, at a premium. Um, man, Waller really falling. Uh, I don't know. What do you, uh, what do you see in here? I would go, I mean, I'm, yeah, you know, I love Metcalf, uh, Cooper McLaurin, all fine to me. Um, do you want to, you want to diversify off your Metcalf or you want to get something else? Uh, yeah, we let's do Metcalf. I, I just, okay. I have more confidence in Metcalf. I I've said that time and again, whether you believe in drew lock or not, I think Metcalf still gets his in this offense. All right. We will take, we will take Metcalf. Also just crossed over a hundred people watching live. Make sure you hit the like, uh, the like button. If you're watching on peach channel, of course, subscribe as well and subscribe to the splash play channel too. Cause we'll be doing some live best ball streams solely on that channel moving forward where I'll be at the helm and you know, things will get weird if that's the case. And, uh, weird, filled with weed, filled with alcohol. Who knows, Pete, what'll happen on those best ball streams that'll get taken down almost immediately. That's right. Um, Liam says, you have heard that Pickett has nine-inch hands. I have, I have. And in the uh, Fantasy Life newsletter today, he was he was asleep or praying <laughs> during the uh, the rookie photo. So poor Kenny Pickett. He's having a rough go of it this uh What was the year. deal with that photo? Like, there was no uniformity to that? Was it all no. the first and second round? Or there was just random fantasy guys? Like, there was random D guys? It was, I'm pretty sure it was mostly skill position players. Like, I don't think there were a lot of... I thought there were a couple linebackers. I mean, I might have just misread numbers and might have gotten... I think it was mostly... Because the way that event works... Um, I Yeah, like, I know Sauce Gardner was in there. It was... Mm -hmm. I don't know. I agree with you. There wasn't uniformity to to what the group was. I also pointed out that they put Juan Dale uh, in the very back there uh, as one of the shortest guys. So yeah, just a very weird composition. Although I imagine being the guy trying to round those guys all up was just probably a disaster. And he's just like, fuck it, just all stand over there in a, in a lump. <laughs> The best photo, and this is a classic Barstool Big Cat blog that he used to do, was the NFL Head Coaches Summit, where they all get together and do a group photo, and they all just look varying degrees of schlubby to trying too hard to look like a fashion model like Cliff Kingsbury would, and just an interesting mix. Like I feel like the head coach one, like you did a good job saucing the rookie one, but the head coach one is where the money's made. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. Um, Liam is offering to uh, smoke weed with you on Streams Bags. I mean, look, this is how you book the million dollar winners, Pete, is you just offer to smoke weed with people on camera and then they'll have a good time. Or, you know, like off camera, but your eyes are bleary. So people know, you know, wink, wink. Please. I'm, <laughs> I'm terrified. I'm terrified of that stream right now. That's why well, it's you... going to be over on the Splash Play channel and far from the confines of mine. I, might... I just want to get that Splash Play channel with a thousand subs so we can start getting weird super chats. Like that's where mythology wants me to look at some girl boobs, send me a dollar and I'll look at them. Wow. Your your reason for wanting to get to a thousand is uh is pretty fucked up. That's shameless, I think. Would be the key. I just want to hit the round numbers. You know, Pete, you know more than anybody. I like a good round number more than anyone. Yeah, I think we've mentioned it before, but if a show, if we do a splash play show that it doesn't get to uh an hour, uh Spags gets really uncomfortable. Um I know we don't have Alan, but I'm I'm more than happy to double up on our Bills bet with Gabe Davis here. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we got to get 
uh, the, Bengal at some point. But yeah, I, I like Gabe Davis. I have no issue with that. I also wouldn't mind taking a running back here if you wanted. Yeah, I actually, I don't mind taking ETN if you want. Yeah, let's do that. All right. I feel like ETN being my number one running back in these pseudo zero RB builds or straight zero RB builds is going to be the potential downfall of my teams when it's like, oh, he's actually the the third down back who plays five snaps a game. That's I, I, I know what you mean. And I do think that's a thing to think about once you reach a certain portion of drafts and like segmenting your exposures by structure, because naturally with zero RB drafts, um, and I know this happened to me a lot last year where I was taking a lot of ETN and Javante Williams as my first running back in zero RB builds. Um, and neither of those smashed in the way that I would have liked. Whereas I think and this goes all the way back to that idea of bending structures and why, you know, maybe take the detour in round three or round four or push your zero RB even further just to make sure that you're varying up. And I know this is the new drinking game uh, word, your textures of your various structure builds, because it's like you want to rely on the structure to be what helps you succeed, not the specific player selections within that structure. So if you're always getting funneled to the same guy you're probably going to be overly reliant on your player selection as opposed to the structure itself. Yeah, I think I've got enough Antonio Gibson, enough Brees Hall in that range that I feel okay about the amount of ETN I'm getting. But I just feel like he ends up in a lot of these drafts where I'm like, well, fuck, I should take a running back now. And he's got pass catching upside and I end up going through the same chain of thoughts over and over again. But I think that's what we talk about in the show, though. And I know you mentioned a lot is just kind of challenging your thought process with these things, getting different builds, different structures that you like and um, and hoping that one of them works out. Uh, I was really hoping Bateman would fall to us. Similar kind of thought to doubling up mm -hmm. digs with Gabe Davis. Um, I will say here, uh, I like Elijah Moore. We um, we have Seattle playing the Jets in week 16 or 17. Any other considerations? Uh, I have more than enough Elijah Moore, but I'm willing to go there again because we do have DK. My my, If DK Metcalf and Elijah Moore go off in that week <laughs> 17 game, you will see a happy me on this show, or at least happier than I would be otherwise. Okay, there we go. Yeah, we can we can lock that in. Um, you know, I sometimes it's nice for you to just play the hits on your teams, right? It's true. Um, this, this team looks a lot of like a lot of my teams, I have to say. <laughs> well, let's just say at the end it's gonna look different, Spags. Um Tony in the chat. Tony was not only Tony's an NFT thought leader, works over at Lucky Trader, uh, was in my best ball mania stream this morning. And here, you know, NFTs are down bad when Tony is doubling up his best ball content on a Monday morning. Tony, get back to work. I think best ball is a really good background content feed. Like if you are, especially if you're somebody at work who has like two monitors, if you're being uh, unfortunately forced to go back into your office, like you put a stream on one of those and you have that and so you're doing your stuff. Like it's because it, you don't have to pay full attention. Like you kind of can jump in, especially the way you do it with showing the board. Like I, I think there's a, I I'm in a, on the best ball content renaissance. I think we're, we're a good time. You've been the earliest to it. So I, I can't even take any credit there. It's funny too. I always talk about how like the, um, I have like the price widget on my phone and I slid for crypto prices and I slid it all the way to my fifth screen in this. It's been broken. And instead of like reinstalling and getting it fixed, I just haven't touched it. I legit have not looked at, at crypto prices in two weeks and just distracting myself with best ball. It is a good hack. Probably the best thing you could do for yourself, I think, based on what everybody's saying. All the arguments I've seen is everybody going like, oh, you you made fun of buying it at 30K when it was at 70K, so why wouldn't you buy it 30K now? Which is the kind of pyramid schemey arguments that I feel like are not the best overall. 
Uh, FF Doom says, I hate elite QBs today. Yeah, we've been uh, been getting shut out on uh, on elite QBs. But, you know, when we look at the players we've taken so far, uh, we obviously missed out on Josh Allen. We missed out on Lamar. Uh, every other player we have hasn't, like, set us up for a super obvious elite quarterback stack in that rounds five through seven range. So um, I think we still have some, some flexibility here. Definitely some backdoor options. Yeah. Also, Bullock making a good point. I'll be uh, depressed. Spags is those who go off, and he didn't get one of those teams in the final. That is also a pretty good likelihood for my my Seahawks jet stacks that are going to be terrible every other week. But boy, come week seventeen, they're going to be popping off. Do you know it'd be like a super? I I, I think it was Scott Pianowski, uh, old school fantasy guy, works for uh, Yahoo. He used to always say, uh, "No team dances quite like the one that was just eliminated." He used to always talk about like your season long team. You make it to week fifteen, and then it goes off. How cruel of a feature would that be from Underdog if it like showed where you would have been placed, like your teams in the alternate reality? Spag seeing like his Drew Lock team shipping two million if he would have made it. Honestly, that would be worth it. Like the tilt would be unreal, but you would still probably follow your team. Even if it was like, even if it was eliminated just because you have that equity of like rooting for them for 14 weeks, at least. Yeah. Um, we are about to be up here. I mean, definitely these four names at the top of the queue are all very interesting mm -hmm. to me. If we did want to get an elite quarterback, I also think we could grab Dak and try to backfill around him. I think there's lots of different ways we can go. I'm down with Burks, Dylan, Devonta, or Prescott. Burks is falling a good amount. I think let's take Dak because I I've been in similar spots where you've been recently getting boxed out on all the good QBs and it's really frustrating. So I think I just want to get one instead of having to uh, cobble together the Drew Lock, uh, Zach Wilson, Kenny Kenny Pickett <laughs> QB room, which is not my favorite to go with. All right, so we will lock up Dak there, and yeah, this is one of those points in the draft where I really do think you could have made a case for a running back, a wide receiver or a quarterback there. Um, and that's fun too. And it, I mean, it really kind of alternates or um, not alternates, but dictates kind of what the rest of our draft is going to look like. You know, like you said, if we pass on Dak there, we're probably headed toward a three QB build um, would be my most yeah. likely guess here. Somebody also asked too why we didn't take uh, Burrow when he was available, and I think we're also getting ribbed a little by FF Doom saying we could have gotten Lamar in the fourth. I'm usually not trying to take QBs before at least the fifth round. That's one of the things that I've been trying to adhere to from some of the road of his data that uh, Draco and Doom have been putting together. But also, like I don't like I don't want to take Burrow on stack, like because we talked about this the other day. Like I don't want the Burrow Tyler Boyd uh, Drew Sample or Hayden Hurst stack. Like that's not appealing to me either. Yeah, um, I would take um, Burks here. By the way. I, I was getting, man, I was going to say Pollard looks nice, but man, Burke's falling this behind. Let's, uh, let's scoop him up. Yeah. Also, especially week 17 the, stack. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. an easy kind of tiebreaker there. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the Lamar comment is a fair one. Um, I do, you know, when you've made that bet on Mark Andrews, where we did, it's, uh, you know, very likely that um, if he is a league winner at this price, that Lamar Jackson is going to have a big year. I get that. Um, yeah, uh, I, I definitely could have seen. I probably would actually take that one back if we could. Um, I would probably grab Lamar there.
Um, Liam pointing out too in the chat that his, uh, he had a fifth round QB that won him a million dollars. So a uh, nice bit of data as well as a flex by Liam. But that's like I, fifth round to me is, I think, where I'm willing to go. Or, you know, if, if Mahomes falls a bunch by an ADP, but like I'm not going to get a guy above ADP in, in the fourth round. Like I don't know. I, I know you would take Lamar there. I just don't I just don't need it. The the real the real conversation is you know cost adjusted. Like I, I personally think Dak Prescott can rival Lamar Jackson's ceiling on a weekly basis or in like a one week or two week sample size. So then you're starting to look at two v twos of you know all right what would you rather have in this situation Lamar Jackson with um let's see who went after this uh, like Devonta Smith. Lamar Jackson and Devonta Smith, or would you rather have Dak Prescott and DK Metcalf? And I know DK Metcalf isn't everyone's favorite, but that's kind of now the 2v2 you're looking at. The The point for the Lamar Jackson side is you're obviously getting the stack there, but it also doesn't mean that we're not going to stack Dak as well. Yeah, and I personally, well, I mean, obviously Lamar, you can only, you could take with one receiver and feel pretty good about it, but like, I like Bateman overall, like in terms of that stack value, like I like him more than Andrews. I just think we took Andrews where we took him and like, I'm like, I'm comfortable riding with it. I just don't want to chase more draft equity with, with that pick personally. Let's, let's just call a spade a spade. The real truth is Spags loves nothing more than just straight pissing yellow at the starts of drafts. And uh, he hates to see the, uh, the yellow wave even interrupted by one purple speck. That's true. I look, I, I want to get my good receivers, especially in this room where like we had what six receivers in the first round. Like I don't, you can't afford to fuck around in these rooms. This is, this is the problem with Dak too, as the back door is like, it's so hard. Uh, Schultz is now going before him and then Gallup, you know, who I was really hoping would fall to us here at pick one Oh four. I mean, he goes pick 99 here, um, which is, you know, he's he's one of those guys where it's like i never feel like his adp is right because every draft it seems like he goes six to 12 picks ahead of his adp he's just the guy that always looks more attractive to people um there so it's a bummer to miss out on the uh the michael gallup stack there this this team cooper cup Fournette with ezekiel elliott and pollard yeah this is um that's a no-no as we say in the business (laughs) Yes, get chat. I am aware that there are other players to stack uh, Dak with, but uh, I'm talking about the premium guys uh, there. That it's it's hard to pull that off. I still like Jalen Tolbert relative to ADP. Like I think I don't. I'm not a believer in the Gallup comeback. I think Tolbert could be very solid there. Uh, hmm. So I don't mind one of the Buffalo running backs. Yeah, I think a Buffalo running back. I've I've like been straight flipping a coin on these two. Sometimes I take Cook, sometimes I take Singletary. Who do you want? Let's take Singletary. I feel like Cook's Cook's ADP is still too high. Like it shouldn't be dead even with Singletary, I don't think. I mean, this is this is kind of one of the classic situations where the BBM3 format puts your head in a blender, right? Because if you told me, you know, who would I rather have weeks one through 14, I think it's pretty easy. I would say Devin Singletary. You asked me, who do I want weeks 15 through 17 more? Probably saying James Cook. Um, now, I think it's very safe to say Cook. I guess it's Cook has a lower floor and a higher ceiling, I think. Um, Cook also has, you know, contingent value in a way that's like similar to Kareem Hunt, where it's like James Cook without Devin Singletary 
would be such a smash. Whereas like Devin Singletary is probably going to be seeding some snaps to James Cook, even if he is the quote unquote starter. So that kind of contingent value plus rookie mystery box has me kind of leaning there, but we've also seen so many scenarios where they, these rookies get drafted and they don't see the field. Like you could have a Keyshawn Vaughn situation where it's like, everyone's falling over themselves. It all lines up on paper, but maybe they're just not good. Um, I think we should get Tyler Boyd with our Buffalo uh, stacks here. Yeah, that's where I was. That's where I was going to. I firmly agree. The Singletary Cook thing to me comes down to the fact that Cook was going 145, 150 at one point when I was drafting. And this is probably where some of the the bias of me just doing these so frequently and hammering a ton of drafts, getting above 60 at this point um, and where the best ball mania clock is. But I feel like just seeing Cook that high, like if he ends up being the guy in training camp, he's getting meaningful work, sure. But Singletary fought off Zach Moss. Like, I don't know if people forget that, like, Zach Moss is getting all those goal line looks, getting all the pass game work. And then he was basically an inactive for stretches last year. They did have Matt Burita playing well, too. But I just feel like I've seen Singletary now weather the storm. He's still young enough. They invested enough draft capital on him, too, where um, maybe it's next year. Like, for Dynasty, you're probably taking Cook above Singletary. But for best ball right now, I, if I had the choice, I'm taking Singletary. Yeah, I mean, Singletary is a guy that if you asked me where I thought his ADP would be for BBM heading into this season, I would have guessed like fifth, sixth round because he's normally the type of previous season production in a good offense drafters are really willing to bet on. His price here is very palatable. I think the thing that scares me is he he's the type of running back that can get squeezed in two ways. He can, he can seed pass catching work to James Cook or James Cook could just be really, really good. Um, or he still could see goal line carries to a Zach Moss to a Josh Allen. We've seen them not really, um, have a ton of willingness to give him short area carries. So that's why I think there's a lot of risk. Whereas when things really opened up for Singletary last year, um, it was, it wasn't quite on explosive plays, right? It was a lot of volume. Mm -hmm. So if you start to chip away at that volume, I think there's some risk there. Um, but I, I think it, I think he's a fair price at this point. I don't I don't think it's a bad price. Yeah, I think that's where I, I would land with it too. A uh, question from Liam here and Silas in the chat as well, ranking the uh, the shitty QB situations or the gross QB situations: Atlanta, Seattle, Carolina, Washington, Pittsburgh. You want to do a quick draft of these teams, Pete? And I'll give you the first pick. All right, you're going to give me the 101. I will go ahead. I'll take Kenny Pickett. Um, hmm. I just think his weapons there uh, are set him up to succeed right out of the gate. Yeah, I think the the Jordan Atkinson uh, reel we talked about on Friday, just how Pickett was getting him the ball where he needed to get it for the most part, I think gave me some faith there, so I don't mind that. I will take two of the teams that I'm drafting an uncomfortable amount, Atlanta and Seattle here, um, probably in no particular order, but as I've talked about enough, I believe in Drew Locke's ability. We'll find out in the Drew Locke clip competition on Thursday where you can win $100 if you send us a clip and it uh, beats out Pete and my clips for Drew Locke. Uh, I don't think we've got any submissions yet, but get it in there now. But Drew Locke's a deep ball thrower. Like That's something that for fantasy I think is always going to have a shot provide value if they can kind of curtail the bad parts in Atlanta uh Pete I know you don't like Marcus Mariota but there is a reason the Titans coach I think brings him over from having some exposure to him and it's me if he can hold off Desmond Ritter enough like he's got all the weapons and he runs like why do we not like Mariota enough to even draft him would be the question I would have yeah Silas had it Atlanta Pittsburgh I definitely can see the case uh flipping those guys I think I'm Carolina over Washington um just because I feel like Corral could really take over that job. And then he has, you know, CMC and DJ Moore. And I, I really like that. I feel like that's a very um, nice, some nice safety blankets for a rookie quarterback there. 
as well, um, where I just have less faith in the overall Washington system uh, on the whole. But yeah, it's an interesting question. All right, we're going to be up here. Do you want to take Damian Pierce for our Jacks Houston week 17? Yeah, um, let's do that. This, this is definitely a saw. Uh, we've hit the pocket well for running backs being the best uh, picks here. This is, you know, we're seeing here on the screen, even though you guys, when you watch streams with Pete, you'll see a lot of running backs going early, flying off the shelves willy-nilly. You watch stream with us here. You see how if you ride that zero RB out, take your tight end early, uh, you know, sit around for QB, just you hit the pockets right a little more that way, I think, Pete. Yeah, we've uh, we've hit uh, we've lined up some week 16 correlations as well. The uh, Jacksonville plays the Jets week 16. Uh, Tennessee plays Houston week 16. So, you know, we're the correlation bros are out in, in strong force today. And Silas makes a good point about Carolina, too, that he likes Corral, just has less faith in the coaching staff to one, start him, and two, use him properly. I think Darnold can hold into that starting job long enough that it makes it tough for him to be the starter, but also not long enough that, like, if Corral comes in, you're maybe getting him for week 17. But, like, there's a lot of ways here where they could bring Darnold in, you know, Darnold trying to prove himself for another contract. Like, um, I, you know, there's a lot of things with Darnold that I think can ruin up that ruin that situation and and set it up where Corral doesn't even see the field. So, like, I don't know. I, I have more confidence in Mariota than in that situation. But I also have more confidence overall in Mariota than I think you do, Pete. Like, he was good for Vegas. Like, he was a gadget guy last year. But, like, maybe he's had the time to kind of to settle into what he's going to be as a, you know, a career QB. Um, I'm down for Madison or Rojo here. I feel like for week, yeah. I mean, Madison, I never mind just because we didn't take Dalvin. So I don't um, think I've taken Madison on any teams yet this year. Just because I've definitely I got some. Just... I've got a lot of both those guys. So if you want to get Madison, we can do Madison. Um, you know what? What Seattle plays KC week sixteen. Might as well, you know, keep breaking our ties. Let's do some Rojo. Okay. I mean, Rashad White damned Rojo. I think in a way where I, I'm never going to take him the same way again after he flamed out of that locker room and set such a poor example for a young man like Rashad White. You know what? It happens. It happens. But that's it's going to work both ways because that's now bulletin board material for Rojo. It's true. Uh, this kind of build, Pete, how many running backs are you thinking here? It feels like five, maybe six. Um, Yeah, so I, I guess it would now depend where we take our next running back. Like if we take another one in this range, I think we could push it with five. Um, If we like wait till what, round 16 and on, we'd probably grab two more get to a six build yeah um we'll also have to start thinking through what we want our second qb plan to be Ugh, i feel like we're gonna line up with jared goff again uh well I, I think both lawrence and wilson um make sense as well I, I never have an issue with Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, the issue with him is, and I think this happened on your morning stream too, Pete. Zach Wilson's ADP, people snag him 15 spots ahead of ADP, like more. I know you're really tilted about it, but that happens a lot in these rooms for reasons that I'm not totally clear on. And I and I actually like Zach Wilson a lot. I just don't think he should be that high ahead of ADP. I actually, I mean, I was tilting so hard this morning. Like, I get it. Someone has, uh, I don't know, they they have another Jet on their team. They have Garrett Wilson. They're getting their stack, whatever. Uh, but as your third QB unstacked, that was uh, that was truly befuddling, and I still have not recovered. <laughs> people love drafting QBs. That's If there's one thing that the early best ball mania showed me is that people who don't know what they're doing just think they could solve everything by having four QBs. You know, um, they will definitely probably... Uh, not actually not four. I was going to say three QBs will definitely boost your advance rate to the playoffs, but uh, it is, 
is not going to help you win any money. Uh, Bullock saying that Zach Wilson's photos he's got, he looks like oh. Ken G.I. Joe after being in the best shape of his life. I was really worried. I mean, on this stream, when someone suggests photos, I was like, does this involve Zach Wilson's mom? Are the horn dogs out and full force? But luckily this is, uh, this is just Zach. Well, I think I saw a side by side where it was, he looked like he was a, a grown man and not a young boy anymore. He did have a very evil teen look to him last year. I'm looking to see. And look, to be clear, you know, we gender nonspecific. I'm looking up to see these photos of Zach Wilson to see if I'm impressed by his musculature. Uh, I don't know where they are. If somebody's got a link, drop it in the chat because I don't see these photos. <laughs> I see him at a Mets game looking like he won an NFT competition. <laughs> right there, right at City Field in the front row. He looks like a literal child in a backwards hat. Let's see here. Um, do you want to grab Lawrence if he falls to us here? There's definitely uh, a couple other wide receiver options that you can pair him with later. Hmm. Who who would you pair Lawrence with later? Zay Jones? Lawrence, you can do uh you can do uh Marv or Visca. Oh, I I see LaVisca not getting drafted a lot lately, too. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a mistake. Um, or, I mean, we can also here grab Zach Wilson, too. I mean, I'm just thinking this is probably a nice spot to be done with quarterback. Yeah, let's take Zach Wilson. Someone else also uh, suggested Pickett, um, but I think I'd prefer Wilson or Lawrence in this. Who do you want to do? Yeah, Wilson would be my. Okay. Yeah. Again, another guy I have a lot of, but if you're willing to take him, then that means he must be good, right? Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, I mean, if we're talking about Zach Wilson and photos of him, I, I mean, I guess we just have to take him. Uh, people also ask it about Zach Wilson's mom. I don't follow Zach Wilson's mom, you know, in her latest things that closely because I feel like she had a Karen period where she was like going off on people online. And I'm like, oh, that's not for me. That's not where I, my heart is for that kind of content. Brian says he wants to punch Zach Wilson. This is a, this is a pacifist show. There will be no violence incited here. I I just love when you pull up Zach Wilson that his first photo is him with like the the Air Jordan headband like like he's just wearing it as though he has no awareness in the world of what he looks like and who he is. It is kind of a that yeah for his default uh player photo. I got yeah I'll, I'll pull it up here on screen. ESPN reported Zach Wilson added almost ten pounds of muscle. <laughs> It looks like the karate kid or something. Zach Wilson's girlfriend. No, no, stop. Get off the screen. <laughs> I don't know. I was curious to see more there. Was, yeah, I'm sure you were. Always leave them. Always leave them wanting more. That's funny because like that's not even popping up on my homepage, like on my image homepage. Oh, no, here it is. Here it is. A little bit lower. Oh, they quietly scrub each other off Instagram. He and his girlfriend did. Wow. Quietly scrubbing each other. Um... Abby All right, I do think we have to grab Tolbert here if we want the a little Dak love. Yep. I'm I'm on board with that. We could have taken Corey Davis too. Like I've seen people who are smart say Corey Davis could have more of a role than people realize just because he's the big bodied guy and um Wilson and Moore kind of have enough similarities that maybe there is a role for Corey Davis. Uh, but I'm with you. Like I, I like Tolbert a lot. Like Tolbert, I think out of all the rookie guys, is one that uh, doesn't bubble up consistently enough in terms of ADP. Yeah, and if we were on the other side, or if we still had another pick, I would always just advocate taking Tolbert and with over Corey Davis just from an ADP play because I think it's probably more likely that Corey Davis comes back to you than Tolbert. Um, Tolbert just a much sexier pick than Corey Davis, and I like um, 
just locking in our first Dallas pass catcher, because then if we get squeezed on Tolbert, then the options really start to get slim uh, for Dak. I know Zach Wilson's the Jets QB, but I feel like he should have married this Abby Gile girl. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, you know, like they got the best of uh, Mark Sanchez back in the day when he was like going on dates with Kate Upton and whatever. And, you know, I just, you know, got sometimes you got to take the bird in the hand, Pete. What, what is, uh, what is Mark Sanchez up to these days? He's on TV. He's like one of the top announcers for one of the networks. Really? Yeah. <sighs> if you were a former QB, you would be like on Sunday night football right now. <laughs> like you'd be doing shows with Maria Taylor. Me specifically? Yes. Yeah, so like if, if anybody with any basic content know-how that's like vaguely charming and like was a former QB. Did you, you just, just say I'm vaguely charming, Spags? That is so nice. <laughs> I give you compliments all the time. I was complimenting your arms. Yeah, you told me a, told my arms. You just, no, but then you giveth and you taketh because you said I don't look like a smoker, bro. And you questioned my masculinity <laughs> in doing so. Did <laughs> you got better things to do? You got to go do some burpees or whatever. <laughs> um, Mathology coming in late in the stream. I'm glad to see you talking about uh, TV networks and not busty women. Mathology, welcome to the stream. He probably was talking about Zach Wilson's ex girlfriend, Abby Gile. He's like, Fox, she's a fox. <laughs> Total fox. <laughs> All of her photos look like she's been getting, like she's getting married that day. <laughs> really? Yeah, like I can't. I'm not, I'm not commenting on this. Oh, her bio is by, by grace through faith in Christ. Click out of this one. <laughs> nothing good to see coming here oh my goodness no everyone i mean mathology the uh the celebrity that mathology is earning as a horny splash play chat rat it's really something else the people are demanding more horn dogs content perhaps mathology though was trying to tell me like i had to book them like over i'm like first of all if you think i'm putting in this much planning where i'm gonna book people it's gonna be a solo stream next weekend if people are in the chat and they and i can pull them up on camera maybe i will i don't know pete i'm not making commitments oh i was gonna see if Corey made it all the way back to us i was sweating it i thought there was a chance he would he, he should have honestly <laughs> um all right let's see here I think we're in uh running back range. I mean, I'm good with Moster or Edwards. I mean, might as well continue our Baltimore bet, right? Yeah, Edwards, I you know, Marvin Jones there is a Jacksonville guy, though maybe he won't be on the team. I know he's not your kind of dude to take normally, but Gus is the fine. The only reason me. I uh I'm I'm not out on him, but just thinking the so we have we have what? Three more picks. We know mm -hmm. one of them is going to be a tight end. And we know one of them is going to be a wide receiver. And then we kind of have a luxury if we want to go uh, nine wide receivers or six running backs. But there are still some other, like we can round out double stacks with Wilson and Prescott. So I, I think the running back gives us a little bit more flexibility there. Whereas if we burn that other wide receiver spot, then we might miss out on another stack i don't know it's close okay. that's reasonable there's enough backdoor stacks and you're, you're really just ham-fisting us into taking visca i feel like mm, maybe <laughs> maybe maybe i am i basically know the i basically know all the players i want with these last three picks and the question is can we get it to line up yeah, I don't. I'm curious what you're thinking at tight end because tight end is a, a fairly dead spot. Even your boy Gerald Everett going a little bit earlier than usual here. 
I can't believe the uh, the overfill draft is already over. Nick said he tried out the hyper rare zero RB and zero wide receiver team. So I assume your your tight ends and, and QBs are loaded. Yeah, the tight ends are crushing it. Got all the good tight ends. Ah, uh, there goes James Washington. So that makes our uh, doubling Dak much trickier. Yeah. Ooh, Aaron, what is Aaron? Let me look at this ADP so I can tell. Where are we taking James Washington? Okay, come on. We're taking James Washington 25 picks ahead of ADP as your 10th wide receiver. Get out of here. It's not Get pretty. Get out of here. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I say... I think we could also take Hamler and get that um, Rojo Hamler week 17 if we want it, or I'll think? take Hamler. I feel like I don't get an, as much Hamler as I would like. And yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, we can wait outside end. I think I love Hamler. And especially, I mean, was it, was it on uh was it on ship chasing or here that we pulled up the Instagram of Russ Wilson? With, no, I uh, was not Hamler. here. No. Yeah, so uh, Russ did a dedicated... This is what good, wholesome Instagram content looks like, by the way, guys. I think, and this is such a... This is what this stream needs. It needs to go to church. It needs to find Jesus. And I believe this Instagram post by Russell Wilson, and I will just pull it up right now, because this is what we need. You guys need to stop being horny on Instagram Main Street and find Jesus like Russell Wilson... And KJ Hamler, who he did a post about the other day. Let me pull this up. Here it is. Young star. Um, I don't know where I was getting the biblical stuff from. I thought maybe in the <laughs> caption it said brother in Christ. But what I'm trying to say is uh, Russ Wilson, KJ Hamler, two God-fearing men. This is what we need at this time. What was that first post on his, <laughs> on his page? Um, The first post? Yeah, good. I thought it's like it's just him with the little. Is that KJ Hamler number three here? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Get off the screen! Get off the screen! <laughs> How that dare you? Oh, you're flirting with it. That was close. <laughs> where, where, where are we on the draft board? Also, the mattress firm. The people uh, saying mattress firm. That that's sticker. Like that's a low class tag. I don't like that sponsor tag at all for mattress firm. Where was that? On like on the jerseys, like on their oh yeah, like it's just like if you're gonna have the sponsor tag, it should be something classy that kind of fits in. It shouldn't just be like a white thing that says mattress firm. Fucking scumbag advertising that is. Yeah, uh, Denver Broncos uniform designers. If you'd like to tap splash play, we're happy to serve as aesthetic consultants. You want to pull up the draft board here, Pete, or am I just gonna? Oh, sorry, I had to pull it up and then forgot to share. Anytime I mess up while streaming, just imagine this is what it would be like if Spags had his way. <laughs> sure, with my twelve dollars highlighted so <laughs> so beautifully there. Do you do you have a bankroll complex? I feel like you have a bankroll complex out here. Uh, I mean, I don't like keeping extra money on accounts, feet. <laughs> it's the <laughs> one thing I don't do. Even DraftKings, like when I knew I was going to be playing NBA, I was like, "You're not holding on to my money while I'm not playing NBA." So I just kept it up in there, <laughs> burned through some best balls. All right. Two more picks here. I'm going to make a push for a very specific pick here in round 17 if they make it. I'm curious where you're going with this one. You are? <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm not sure. But talk start to talk it out without giving it away. What what do we oh. what do we need here? 
Oh, is it a guy who maybe won't even make it out of training camp after they try to draw up a trade market for him? That oh yeah, the best team in the league wants. Are you to talking? Trade I'm not. Him? I'll just say right now, I'm not talking about Visca. Oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind. <that. laughs> I mean, that was uncalled for. <laughs> you think Visca was himself tweeting out rumors from bot accounts like, "Oh, the Chiefs swap Lavisca Chenault real bad. They want him." <laughs> uh, Hayden Hurst is already gone. Uh, Hayden yeah. Hurst went uh, in round sixteen. It's up for him. Also, if you enjoyed the stream, if you had fun with us today, hit the like button. We appreciate it a bunch here. We got uh, about 39 likes. It'd be nice to get that above 50 here uh, while we're live. So if you can, hit the like button. Helps us beat Spags, the algorithm and all that. Spags will legit not be able to sleep tonight if we don't crest 50 likes. His OCD will not allow it. He'll have to create 19 different YouTube burner accounts just to like it. Um, I think we should take CGA Uzoma, despite the chat's weird infatuation with Tyler Conklin. Why, why is the chat... Conklin over Uzoma. I don't know. I don't know that there's been anything like Conklin had a shot to be a starting tight end last year. Didn't show anything. Uzoma actually flashed some good pass catching skills before he got hurt. Yeah, I don't I don't know what more. I, I guess I just don't get the Conklin over uh, Uzoma take. Uzoma's really good uh, for the Bengals. And then he goes uh, to them in free agency. Conklin never really emerged as a regular pass catcher. Seemed more like a, a red zone role player to me yeah and conklin's the better blocker like if you're gonna i mean uzoma does both like that's why he's getting paid and got a nice contract and uh maybe a, an affair with Kay adams but i don't like besides that apparently i've missed some news stories about conklin uh buzz so uh, this is going to be one of our classic battles uh count me on team uzoma here yeah i would agree with that i don't like but he's going to be the h back he's going to block and get the handoff every seven games i think we're okay without tyler conklin all right, Spags, let's talk through this last pick. I don't, I mean, we can either go with a running back or a wide receiver. I I honestly like our wide receivers enough that I think we should go a six running back. Let me see the wide receivers again for us. Uh, scroll down. No, so I can see our wide receivers. Oh, I thought you wanted to see the board. No, I just want to see Sorry. what we have so Diggs, far. Deontay Johnson, DK Metcalf, Elijah Moore, Traylon Burks, Tyler Boyd, Tolbert, Hamler. This is this crew can rock with 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 eight. Okay, let's, let's do a running back. I, I will never be mad at taking another wide receiver, but um, we could take Haskins in the hopes that we got another Dallas-Tennessee correlation. Yeah, I'm also, I, I love my guy Foreman. I can't believe he's basically going undrafted in these. Um, Haskins or Foreman is fine with me. We have no Tampa Bay. Otherwise, I would be, you could talk me into, into Foreman. All right. We can grab Haskins here. Derek, please. <laughs> also, MJ Heitling saying Uzoma was a sneaky top to eight tight end this year. I didn't, I didn't know that, but even more of an argument then. Every year there's a, there's a player like that, that you would never suspect it. And it's never the, the, the underlying subtext isn't how great is that player and more how weak <laughs> the tight end position is where it's like the one, you know, lackluster tight end who ends up like scoring five touchdowns somehow ends up just becoming a top 10 tight end so easily. Yeah. It doesn't happen as much at running back with guys like Melvin Gordon and Mike Davis. Oh no. Well, quite that oh no. We're going to take a zero in week 10 at tight end. Oh, this draft is irredeemable, Spags. <laughs> Fuck. By week, by week, Twitter's coming after us. <laughs> so you don't care about the like you care about that more than zero percent, though, right? I don't. I don't. I don't look at it. I. I. I don't. It's not. 
I go out of the way not to do two quarterbacks with the same bye week, but it I don't even look at the the tight end buys. Between this and you're not doing zero RBs very frequently, thankfully we got you back on the track today. I feel like people are are completely within their rights to question what you're doing right now in Best Ball Mania three. No bye week attention and all this week seven chords, week seventeen correlation talk. I mean, yeah, I I've completely lost my way. I'm a fraud, <laughs> fraud streamer. Too busy engagement farming. Some could say. Straight to jail. Silas is on team bye weeks don't matter. This is just how it goes. Do you even draft, bro? Bro, bro. Um, Liam, Uzoma over Taysom Hill is lighting money on fire. The the Taysom Hill, what if butterfly theory, bros? This is the newest thing. Every week there's a different flavor of best ball discourse. One week it's handcuffing RBs. One week, it's bi-week Twitter. And this week, it's Taysom Hill, the ultimate cheat code. Also, Pete, uh, you mentioned my OCD about getting over 50. 51 likes now on this video. So thank you for everybody out there helping us scrape by with the skin of our teeth. There we go. Okay. Um, let's see what, let's see. Should we take a peek at your exposures, how they're shaping up after 64? Yeah. Probably haven't moved that much. We'll do a graphic again at some point. Trey Lance and Goff. All right. Running back, Algier. Is that is that new, him at the top? No, he was, was number one. You, you actually pointed out he was number one out of everybody last time. Oh, too. you're right. So it's come down a teeny bit. Yeah, we might. Yeah, you need you need you need more Foreman in here. You're taking too much Haskins. You need where is where is Foreman for you? He's on oh there somewhere. God. I've taken him. I know that. Oh my god. I can't believe. I let you pass on Foreman for this portfolio. Oh my God. Do you, what, what did Deontay Foreman ever do to you? What is going on? Where is here? he? Okay. 1.6%. He's a tournament play. Get out of here. Tyree kill. We helped boost your Elijah Moore. You're trailing uh, DK Metcalf. So yeah, pretty on brand draft for you today. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then your elite tight ends and no offense. Yeah, Mark Andrews again. He needed that bubble up, so we got him. We got somebody to get me out of my type a little bit. Mark Andrews needed some shares. Yeah, yeah. let's let's just let's talk this out. You're you are almost halfway done. BBM three, of course, one fifty max. Like, what what is your plan right here? Because are you, is your plan to max this out and force me to do splash play entries on my account? Is my plan, plan right now is to do as many as possible now, and at some point switch over to DraftKings and start hammering and chipping away at that one. Then I'll go back to the puppy and I'll go back to Best Ball Mania after I after I do that. That's my summer. Because right. all these barbell bros say they're gonna barbell, but then they're gonna you know just be bored. I don't know. Just pace yourself, guys. Don't blow your load like Spags. I'm, I'm blowing my load like a. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Either way, Pete, we are coming back on Thursday this week, Thursday at 2.30. We're going in a little bit earlier. Every Thursday in the summer, we'll be doing Splash Plays, not Friday. Fridays will probably be when I do my solo streams, but come hang out on Thursdays. That'll be the main event show with me and Pete. So subscribe to Pete's channel and the Splash Play channel. Know when we go live, uh, Pete, people should be following you at Peter Overzet and me at Chris Fags. But what do you have coming up here on your little content calendar? I know you're giving away some money, actually, some big buckaroos. Don't, on don't say little stuff. content calendar. It was, it's like when people used to talk about improv and be like, how are your little sketches going? It's so derived. How is uh, your life uh, with your little calendar and not smoking any meats ever? <laughs> but I did say your big prize, so I gave you big something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, I am. Um, I think I've really confounded the YouTube algorithm with that one because we're like, we have about one third as many comments as we do total views. So, you know, uh, YouTube, I think, is on to me. 
um, comment farming uh, apparently is not leading to uh, to massive view counts. But yes, uh, if you haven't watched the Should I Become an Engagement Farmer video, please watch the entire thing. Don't just leave a comment rent-seeking the giveaway. We will be making that announcement on tomorrow's uh, Club Top Shot. And on Thursday on Splash Play, it is the Drew Lock Clip giveaway. We're giving away $100. If you can beat me and Pete in our highlight reels on Thursday's show, send them in at Splash Play Pod. If you DM it or drop it in the Discord, uh, you can send it directly to me. You can send it on the Splash Play channel on Pete's Discord, the Deposit Kingdom Discord. Either way, though, get that clip over to us if you want a shot to win $100 on Thursday's show. And if not, it'll just be me and Pete showing our, our Drew Lock clips of varying levels of love put into them, I think I can say, to tease mine out. Yes, that's right. Uh, I, mine's already in the can. Mine's in the hopper. I could theoretically play it for you right now if I wanted to. And I do love what happened, which was instead of allowing the clips to be played organically when a player is drafted, Chris realized this mistake knowing I would never want to draft him. And so we've had to create this very ham-fisted way of showing these clips, which is in a contest and not when the player is selected. It's called building anticipation. That's what we're doing for Thursday at 2.30. Splash Play moves to Thursdays for the summer. So come hang out with us then on Peach Channel. Any final words for you, Pete, before we call it quits? No, just uh, engage with us. We're Engage with us, draft yeah. responsibly. Follow at Peter Rovers at follow at Chris Spags. Follow at Splash Play Pod. And also go check out Football Outsiders too. Lots of great articles on the homepage, including one breaking down Justin Herbert's march into year three. Is he going to be the best uh, first three years of a QB's career ever? That's what our Mike Tanier is looking out on Football Outsiders. So go check them out. We'll be back on Thursday. So enjoy your weeks, guys. Catch you then. 